Good morning. It's a beautiful sunny in the old Pueblo, and you're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock and roll radio station. On this week's show, we're going to speak with John Vornold. He's a best-selling author, actor, playwright, director, screenwriter, and journalist. He's a co-founder of Active Imagination Theater, and we're going to learn about an upcoming Old Pueblo Playwrights event at the Temple of Music and Art. We're also going to learn about his work in helping children embrace improv. Today is March 19th, 2023. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core. We shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From May Mountain to the University of Arizona and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org, also available on your iPhone or Android using our very own downtown radio app. If you want to interact with us, you can do so on Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like more information about our show, our book, or any of our past episodes, or maybe just to contact us, you can head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org. Of course, you can listen to our podcast on lots of platforms like Spotify, iTunes, or simply asking your smart speaker to play Life Along the Streetcar podcast. Well, you may have noticed my voice is uh, not very strong today, so we're going to do less talking and and more uh, of the interview we have with John Vornholt. We, uh, up until today, we've been focusing on women in the month of March, women who have made Tucson great, and we're going to get back to that next week. But we have an upcoming event happening at the Temple of Music and Art that was unique when I heard about it. It's 12 plays from local playwrights, all to be done within a five-day period. So I had a phone call with John Vornholt to get more about these details, and uh, was very impressed with his pedigree as well. He's a uh, he's an actor, playwright, director. He's been a journalist. Uh, he's done been with the Hollywood Reporter and the Tucson Weekly, so he's he's seen them all. But uh, this is my interview uh, by phone with John Vornhold about an upcoming event with the old Pueblo playwrights. We are joined today by a. Uh, a, a an actual celebrity. This is John Vornalt, an author, a screenwriter, a journalist, probably the only person that I've ever known that has worked both for the Tucson Weekly and uh, the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, so we're, we're pretty blessed to have you on the show here today, John. Welcome. Well, thanks. Thank you, Tom. It's good to be here. So I, I was looking through in preparation kind of your resume, and you have written, um, I think the official term is a ton of books. <laughs> yeah, it's been quite a few books. I basically was a full-time novelist for 25 years and uh, writing kids' books and adult books and science fiction books and 30-some Star Trek novels and comic books and all that kind of stuff. So, so the like the Star Trek novels and things of that nature, some of those ended up on the bestsellers list. So these aren't just sort of hobby things. You really uh, oh, no, no, they popular. Were, yeah, yeah. I, I used to say I was semi-famous. Well, I'm still semi-famous, but a minor celebrity. Yeah, uh, that was really fun. I, I, I did that for quite a long time. And then the uh, I was originally working in theater in Los Angeles when I started writing books. And then that took up my life for, like I say, 25 years. And uh, since, I, uh, since about 2006, 2007, I've gotten back into theater and stuff like that here in Tucson. 
we moved here in 1992, okay. my family and I. All right. and, and you've got some cool projects coming up, which I want to talk about. But I, I'm interested in this transition 25 years ago. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But you were in the theater. Were you doing um, screenwriting at that time? Or, or what was kind of your... Well, when I was in Hollywood, I was, uh, yeah, basically writing everything. Doing screenwriting. As I say, I got a little annoyed with Hollywood the way they, they kind of treated writers. And uh, fortunately, about that time, I started selling books and I started off uh, writing nonfiction. You may have known uh, and kids' books, nonfiction, nonfiction kids' books, and also uh, uh, like Break a Leg. And I wrote a book about mummies and stuff like that. And, and then and once I got into writing books, I kind of did that full time and enabled my family and I to get out of Hollywood and, and move to Tucson. I was ready for, I was ready for a break after 17 years in Hollywood. I can imagine what, what was the draw to Tucson from, from uh, Hollywood? It's funny. I knew one person here, uh, a fellow writer named Tappan King. He and his wife had moved here from New York and he said, you gotta move to Tucson. It's really nice here. And, and it's, it's, it's not a big city. It's a little city. And and we were, uh, you know, my my wife is from Southern California. She's from Downey, and she didn't want to be too far from her her parents and her mom. And so, you know, we figured, well, Tucson's like 500 miles from L.A. And so we just kind of jumped in the car and moved here sight unseen. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and and uh, apparently, it's worked out because you've been here for what 30 years now. 30 years now. Wow. Yeah, I moved here. You say you say moved here in ninety two. Yes. Okay, I moved here in ninety three. Uh, there so you go. Yeah, I heard there are all these famous authors moving to Tucson, so I thought I should get in on that. But <laughs> I, well, it's a little cheaper living here than <laughs> L.A. or New York, so still. I can I can imagine. Do you do you remember your very first book? What what that was? My very first book was a a. a, a computer book called computers to go and it was written in the early 80s it was about the very first well, i won't call them laptop computers the very first portable computers like the radio shack mm -hmm. little rs well, i mean you had a little screen about as big as a half a deck of cards you yeah, know yeah you can show like 20 characters at a time that yeah. kind of thing and so the very first and Texas Instruments had one, and uh, the very first portable computers uh, that book was about. Of course, in the early days of computer stuff in the in the early '80s, as soon as a book came out, it was out of date. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> that was kind of the. The, the bad side of it, but it was great fun to have lots of computers to play with and, and stuff like that. So I was very interested in computers from the very early going and uh, when they first sort of became available to to regular people. Well, and that then, I guess, was that sort of, were you always interested in like science fiction and, and things of that nature? Or how, oh, yeah. How did you get involved with, with Star Trek? Yeah. Always been interested in science fiction. Well, that first book was with um, Simon Schuster. So even though, that, as they say, that book was kind of out of the date by the time it was released, I was an approved author. In other words, I, I had uh, they they bought a book from me and I delivered a book on time. So uh, I, my agent at the time says, you know, there's this new Star Trek show on called Star Trek: The Next Generation, 
And he says, few of my science fiction writers, he didn't really consider, I was a nonfiction writer to him, but he said, some of my science fiction writers are submitting, um, you know, uh, novel ideas to it. Do you want to? And I said, Star Trek? Sure. I grew up watching Star Trek. I didn't know the next generation very well, but I started watching it and I got the gist of it. And overnight, really overnight, I put together a six-page outline for my first uh, novel, Masks, and uh, my first Star Trek The Next Generation book. And out of about 10 or so he sent to Pocketbooks, that was the only one they bought. Oh, wow. wow. So, and I had three months to write the book. Oh, my so gosh. So I went, uh, well, I since then have written 80,000 word books in a month. <laughs> I've written them quick, quicker than that. But three months at a time was kind of, well, that was a, a, a short deadline. But I did it. And and with three months later, it was on number seven on the best-selling list, New York Times best-selling list. So I went from not writing books at all to six months later being on the New York Times best-selling list, which is almost an instant book. Yeah, that's... If you know how s- slow books are. That, yeah, that, you know, that's sort of the proverbial overnight success almost. It just, that's tremendous. Yeah, so that worked out very well, and uh, I wrote uh, my my own books. I, I wrote quite. A, I wrote the fabulous. I wrote uh, a several kids' book series, uh, the Troll King series, and as I say, once I got into sort of Star Trek, I did Star Trek comic books. I did uh, Star Trek young adult books. I did vir- virtually every flavor of Star Trek. I did. I wrote novels for. That is John Vornholt. He is a Tucsonan, talking about some of his past work, and we're going to get into some upcoming things that he's working on. But first of all, in my very strained voice, I want to remind you that you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar, Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. VK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity. And we are back with our interview with John Vornholt. Uh, he's done quite a bit in the literary world and was telling us about some of those achievements, including many Star Trek novels that uh, were on the bestseller list. But uh, our focus of the conversation today was about his role as a playwright in an upcoming event at the Temple of Music and Art based on uh, plays from several old uh, Pueblo playwrights. Well, and then, and then you said in about 2006 that you then shifted back to your roots in the theater, and that was while you were here in Tucson. Yeah, the, yeah I was about when the publishing business started to sh- sh- get in trouble, as most of the print publishing businesses did. You know, it started to shrink a little bit, and people started, when I first got into it, it was kind of, uh, you were looked down upon if you self-published a book, but now that's really the only way to go. I, I mean, it's a, it's a very common practice now. Big authors self-publish books, so what can you do? It, 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 the, the publishers themselves weren't doing a whole lot. And I said, you know, I'm going to go back. Uh, we're in Tucson. I'm going to go back to the theater. 
and get involved. And I, I got involved in the Beowulf Alley Theater. I got involved in Old Pueblo Playwrights, where I'm president now. So the the, the Beowulf Alley Theater. Let's let's kind of put that in context. That's a downtown that that now is the Johnny Gibson's market. Correct? It sure is. Yeah, it sure yeah. is. In fact, I was the guy who handed the keys over to Steve Gibson when we left the theater. I said, here's Steve, here's the keys. And now I, I walk in there and I say, I used to park my car here where the deli is, but I, they never were very impressed there. <laughs> <laughs> so then you, uh, when the theater closed uh, and you said you joined a, a group that was called Old Pueblo Playwrights? Well, yeah, I actually was in Old Pueblo Playwrights before I got involved with Beowulf Alley. But since then, I've been involved in several theaters, and I had my own theater for a while on the east side. It was originally called APCOT, uh, Air, uh, Alliance of Performance Center of Tucson, and then it became the Roadrunner Theater. And it's gone. Unfortunately, I, I worked at Community Playhouse. I worked at Comedy Playhouse. A lot of these small theaters that were not downtown, but downtown adjacent, uh, you know, they're gone now. They didn't survive COVID, you know, yeah, so. Understood. Yeah. I mean, it was tough for anybody, but that to be on those small margins, I can only imagine. It, it, old, old Pueblo playwrights. So this is, it's, it's a, is it what it sounds like? A group of, of, of playwrights? Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, actually it's been around for 35 years. Wow. It's been around for a long time and we're a 501 C three. As I say, I got involved like 16, 17 years ago and um, yeah, it's great. I've always been a big fan of writers groups. Uh, I was in them when I was mainly a prose writer, and, and I've always thought they're very, very helpful for writers. Uh, and one of the, I mean, writing is kind of a, a lonely profession. You know, you're kind of stuck up in the attic there, and you don't see too many other people. So it's, it's great to get out and get some feedback from other people besides just editors and agents who are, you know, looking out for their own interests. So I, I think it's a, it's a great uh, program where we meet every Monday night. We have met every Monday night, like I say, for 30 some years. And uh, one of our big deals is we have a new play festival. Uh, plays all have to be read uh, two or three times, at least in a regular meeting. In our meetings, we always have play readings and uh, table readings. We bring in actors. And and uh, and then for the new play festival, they're, it's, they're, they're produced plays and that they they have sets and we have sound effects and lighting and stuff like that. But it's book in hand, meaning the actors are carrying a script with them, so they don't have to memorize lines. Okay. So we have like nine, I think ten plays coming up for uh, the end of this month. We have um, a bunch of plays coming up, and we're going to be at the Cabaret Theater, the Arizona Theater Company. That's uh, the last few days of March, slopping into April, the 1st and 2nd of April that weekend. Okay, yeah, and, that's what I was looking up. So it's at the Temple of Music and Art upstairs at the Cabaret Theater. And the, yes. what I saw online is it starts March 29th and then goes through April 2nd. That's exactly right, and, yes. And it looked like, I mean, not just, I mean, looking at the scope of this thing, it's a great opportunity for playwrights, but also you've got actors, local talent, local directors, all these people then that have an opportunity to display uh, their talents here in, in Tucson. I didn't realize our community was that large. Oh, yeah. No, it, it is. I mean, there are a lot of actors here. Uh, I mean, not very many of them are making a living at it, 
but you know they're acting as much as they can and and uh, it, it's really great to involve the community. We try to involve everybody. And uh, lately for the um, Play Festival, we only do every, I say the plays have to get voted in. And then we only do each play once. But it's really nice for the playwright because they get a chance to see their play, as we say, on its feet mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, with people acting and you learn troubles. You learn things that you wouldn't have learned when you were just sitting down writing it. Like, well, this guy can't rush off stage left in one costume and entered five seconds later stage right in another different outfit. I mean, you learn practical things that you've written into your play that you may have to change just to make it more practical. And it's great to see actors and people walking around and blocking and stuff like that. So it's really helpful for the playwrights. And we'll we'll link to that uh, from our webpage as well, but you can get more information, Old Pueblo Playwrights. There's, uh, you can Google that. Facebook. 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 Our Facebook uh, page is kept up a little bit better than our webpage. Okay. But, but uh, yeah, look us up there. And as I say, we're this year, and, well, we actually had an, another New Play Festival in the, in the fall. We had one at, uh, in November. So we started experimenting with pay what you will. So that's kind of nice. That, 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 was, my, that was my next question. Is there, are there tickets, or, or how do you get into this? You just show up, but I would show up early because, you know, the cabaret isn't, doesn't seat that many people. And uh, it's a pretty popular show, especially since we're not really charging people. They pay what they feel like paying. Okay. Well, we'll link to all of the events there. It's, it's, it's a, described as a five-day weekend. I, what I saw is there's 12 different um, Yeah, 12 playwrights. different plays. Mine is on Saturday night, April 1st. And that, the, the, that's the President's Women? The president's women, yes. Which uh, my synopsis is: it's it's three love smitten women and a host of unsavory men, following uh, newly elected Warren G. Harding to the White House. That's exactly right. Oh, I God. grew up, I grew up in Marion, Ohio. Okay, which is the home of Warren G. Harding mm-hmm. and the home of the Harding Memorial. And uh, he was a very, I mean, we all think of Warren G. Harding. If you think about him at all, you think about him as being one of the worst presidents. And, you know, we say he's at the bottom. And it's very funny because he was really a very popular president. One of the most popular when he died in 1923. He was elected in 1920, the first election women could vote in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so he he was uh, elected then and, and only lived for three more years. But he he really there were a lot of scandals that came out after he died in San Francisco. Okay, he wanted to be the first president of the United States to visit Alaska and he made it. But he was a very sick man. And and the president's women alludes to the fact that uh, really of all the philandering presidents we've had, Warren G. Harding was probably the most philandering. He was he was really a ladies man. He never, he couldn't keep his hands off anything in a skirt. I mean, he's very infamous for this. And there were three women in his life who, who were in his life for a long period of time. His wife, Florence, who was, of course, and really this play is Harding. It's about Harding, but Warren G. Harding. But his, his wife, that, those, that was the period where women couldn't uh, aspire to much in the way of politics or anything. They had to work through their husband. In other words, if they wanted to get anywhere, they had to find a guy and prod him and push him and get. And that was kind of the 
the deal with Florence Harding and Warren G. Harding. Uh, Warren was very happy just being a newspaper man in Marion, Ohio, and running the Marion Star. So, uh, but his wife had bigger plans, so mm. and she pushed him along. And then he had a longtime lover named Carrie Phillips. And then he was infamous for having uh, knocked up a girl half his age, actually 30 years younger than him, Nan Britton, while he was president. So, so, and there were a lot of really interesting characters in his orbit because, as I say, he brought all his cronies from Ohio with him, and uh, they were an unsavory lot. Let's put it that way. Well, that's going to be Saturday, April 1st at 7 p.m. That's, that's going to be at the Cabaret Theater, Temple of Music and Art, and this is part of the festival, so there's going to be 11 other plays um, yes. that, that you'll, uh, you'll want to check out. And I understand um, questions and answers, all kinds of uh, feedback at the end, so very, in- very interactive. And then I, I, yes. I also wanted to talk to you because I was really fascinated about a, a project that you co-founded as well, um, the, uh, the Active Imagination Theater. We've only got a couple of minutes, but can you tell us briefly what that is? Well, Active Imagination Theater is, we've been doing that since 15 years. We started Beowulf Valley. We're now, we were just at the Tucson Festival of Books doing our show, Podemonium, about a dog park. And we normally do our shows at the holidays at Unscrewed Theater on Speedway, which is a place that does improv, but our kids' shows are participatory and very improvisational. We bring the kids up on stage with us and we have them take part in the show. Like when we just did uh, Podemonium, all the kids from the audience, some 30 of them were dogs in a dog park, learning tricks, you know, rolling over, playing dead, you know, speak. And then we had a contest and all this kind of stuff. I was the villain. I was the what was I? Bounty the dog hunter. There was oh. one dog, a stray, who was doing all the tricks. That was the one dog who was played by an adult. Everybody else was played by kids. So you get you get them uh, engaged. We get them up on stage. We do elves gone bad at Christmas time. Uh-huh. All the kids are elves or reindeers or you know we, we we incorporate them into the play and have a lot of running around and a lot of fun. Wow. Well, John, I, I appreciate your time. We're talking with John Vornald. He's, he's an author, a screenwriter. He's been a journalist and really I, I, elevating the level, level of culture here in, in Tucson. So, <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for all you're doing. Yeah, we'll be at Unscrewed Theater on April 1st and 8th doing our, our um, Easter show, Rabbit Hood. Okay, April 1st and 8th at Unscrewed Theater. And then March 29th through April 2nd, Temple of Music and Art at the at the uh, Cabaret Theater, which is upstairs. Uh, yes. And special attention to April first, the uh, the president's women. Thank you. All right, John. Thank you. You have a, a fantastic day, and I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Once again, that's John Vornhall, uh, Tucsonan, with a really wide background in the um, fields of screenwriting, journalism. He's authored several books. And now as part of uh, a group here in Tucson called the Old Pueblo Playwrights. Looking forward to that event coming up here at the Temple of Music and Art. Well, my name is Tom Heath, and you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. 
Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. VK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity. Well, I've enjoyed my time today, even though it's uh, been a little straining on my voice. I appreciate you putting up with me. That's the month of March, and we've been celebrating women who have made Tucson famous. We started off with a two-part series on Seal Peterson and got to know, at least for me, a lot of uh, facts and interesting stories that I was not fully aware of outside of her general reputation. And then last week, we had an interview with Jessica Gonzalez, a wonderful Tucson artist that's putting her vision and beauty uh, into the, the Tucson environment and doing so um, just just uh, all over the place. She's very prolific. Took a break today from that because we have this upcoming event at the Temple of Music and Art that we wanted you to be aware of, but we'll jump back into that theme next week as we're going to interview uh, Ray Flores. We talked to him back in 2021 as they were opening up uh, their new restaurant concept called the Monica. And Ray Flores, you may know this, uh, his family uh, and his business, uh, Flores Concepts, as uh, the foundation be behind El Charo uh, El Cafe, the Charo Steak, Charo Del Rey, Cervezas, uh, Charo Vida, and now the Monica. And his platform, his, his entire business platform, has been run uh, behind two very strong women in our community. It started back all the way in the 1920s with Monica Flynn, and it's carried forward 50 years uh, Fifty over 50 years now by his mother, Carlota Flores. So we talked with Ray, and we'll get a little insight into that history and how all of that came to be. Of course, if you ever want to talk to us uh, or have us cover a show, um, you should uh, reach us on Instagram and Facebook is probably the best way. You can interact with us, there, uh, interact with us and uh, like and tag us and things. Uh, you can also head over to our Website, lifealongthestreetcar.org. There's a contact button there, as well as our past episodes and more information about the show. And, of course, you can always do that old-fashioned thing. is email contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. Well, as my voice is waning here, we're going to leave you with a little bit of music. As we talked about in the show here with uh, Mr. Vornholt, one of the things they like to do is um, bring the, the children up in, uh, into their improv stage, and sometimes those kids are, are, are part of the dogs at the dog park. So we're leaving with a little music today, kind of tying into that theme. It's from uh, Yacht Club, Y-O-T Club, from 2019 album called Bipolar. Here's the song, Dog Song. Hope you have a great week, and tune in next Sunday for more Life Along the Streetcar.